0: What is up beautiful people and welcome back to a new episode of the Connect Podcast. This is the platform that explores stories of purposeful life lived across and in between cultures and celebrating our common existence and humanity. I am your host Gali and every single week I'll come on here to speak to you guys about some life things or sit down with a guest to speak about things like identity, culture, lifestyle and purpose in this episode, we are wrapping up season three. It's incredible, isn't it? And I can't believe it, but I will be taking a look back at some of my favorite moments, different guests, different lessons, wisdoms, all of the things that surprised me, and some of the things that I was like, yeah, you know what, we're kind of on the right track. I didn't actually think that I would be able to make a third season in the way that I'd sort of envisioned or that I would even be able to consistently do it for 10 weeks just because of a life right but showing up here for all of you that support and give love and send messages like I can't even deal with how Blessed, I feel and slightly overwhelmed that I get to do this. So, thank you for all of the support because without you, this doesn't exist and I do it for you all. So, um, yeah, see you in season four. So, we're here, episode 10, the wrap up of the third season of The Connect, and what a journey it's been. I come into each season thinking I have an idea of how it's going to turn out and it turns out to surprise me every time in both the best ways and the most like frustrating ways and we all have a plan or like some sort of a vision in our head of how things are going to turn out and then there's life and that's just like the beauty of it all, you know? That's why I had started this season with an episode all about showing up It was more of a message for myself than anyone else, but it definitely hasn't been easy doing the podcast on my own, um, or with like different competing priorities, but when you commit to something, um, and something that actually does bring you joy, you got to get it done, you know, um, I remember having to re-record the first episode of this season, literally an hour before it was supposed to go live because the initial recording had gotten, let's say lost. Um, and I could have pushed the date back, but it was more important um, to me to do what I had promised myself and the people who kept sending me messages asking when the connect was returning and I had said it was returning in May. so I had to I had to keep my word. Um, Which is what showing up is, right? So this podcast will continue to be a space to inspire people to take a leap, ask questions of how people are able to forge their unique paths of purpose and to drop a little one, two gems here and there, you know, the one, the gems that we're always sort of looking for. Um, and so with that, the first episode that I want us to look back on is with the beautiful and ever so talented Wanja Wohoro. Uh, she shared the not so pleasant experience that she went through with her debut album, The Matriarch. And what that taught her about the lack of access to just simple information that like musicians should be able to have access to, especially in a world where we have so many musicians and artists Um, and how she was and how she built the Black Glitter newsletter as a way to help other musicians not struggle the way that she did. So have a listen.
1: Anyway, just all these experiences that I'm like, somebody has done this before, but no one is sharing this information and it why (laughs) like does that is it competition is it i don't know the gatekeeping just is has always been really weird to me and it's happened with gigs as well where people have their little clicks with their gigs and they just don't want to tell people um like really basic information or invite new people into the space they're just like no Mm -hmm. this is the space for these 10 people sorry like that just happened so much that <laughs> at some point that was part of what just made me by 2019 I was so over stuff because I was like mm-hmm. how can we move forward together like we're all in the same boat yeah. um anyway there's space so for all of us yeah there is and that's actually <laughs> I did an interview with Lisa Oduonoa um in my mm-hmm. in the most recent newsletter and she said mm-hmm. the exact same thing that yeah one of her big revelations was realizing that there's room for everyone yeah. And once she felt, once she realized that it, it made her, it took away so much jealousy or so much anxiety around other people's yeah. success. Cause it has nothing to do with you. Like, okay, great, well done. <laughs> yeah. My successes or my whatever's are completely separate and also mm-hmm. valid. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, long winded, but um, that is a, at the beginning of last year. I was now in a new country and I w- it was still very much covid stuff here so everything was locked down and I just had so much time and I was really craving doing something useful. Yeah. Um and so you know the newsletter is small. It's a small little thing. It's I don't have again dreams of of this thing that it's going to be. I just know mm-hmm. what I need it to be now and I'm yeah. making it what I wish or what I want now, because I also have learned so much just from having to do the research, um, yeah. you know, to, 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 to write the thing. So in that process of researching, I've just learned so much myself. And, you know, even if just like one, I'm just getting like, you know, a couple of DMs here, a couple of emails there here and there, yeah. of people being like, oh, my God, I really d- didn't know that or I really needed to help with that. Like, that's really great um yeah. so at at number one to me is resources yeah. um collated in a way that is accessible mm-hmm. so you don't have to go read through you know 12 separate things on the internet um, yeah. <laughs> which takes a lot of time so condensed resource um mm-hmm. and then I wanted the interview section because I wanted I wanted exactly what you want I think <laughs> um I wanted people to hear from the mouths of The people that they maybe admire or people that they see in spaces that they want to be in or that they're curious about being honest about stuff and being transparent about what it was like for realsies what it was like and um how they did it and the you know it I just wanted it to be personal as well as being resource resource heavy I wanted it to be I wanted it to have some kind of intimacy. So that's why the interview section is there. Um, But yeah, that's that's what it is.
0: (laughs) The idea of gatekeeping has always been really weird to me because like Wanda quoted in the clip, there is space for all of us. And I think the more that we are able to build our own paths, we should work to make that information available for everyone through different platforms or even... When people approach us to find out some information, information is so valuable, but I also think that, you know, it should be readily accessible. And when it comes to the importance of information and the accessibility of it, I think one of the best illustrations of how important it is, is the information that we get on to do with our health and our nutrition. And of course, living through a pandemic, still a pandemic existing, now it's monkeypox in certain parts of the world um, being declared an international emergency. Our information (laughs) and having access to it is very, very important. So I also had a chat with Idil Farah, um, who who is a nutritionist who works to make nutrition accessible to all by providing culturally sensitive nutrition advice that honors her clients' diverse backgrounds and values around food. Um, And she has this concept of the kitchen pharmacy that I find very interesting and very useful to understand. So hear what she said about the kitchen pharmacy.
2: Really, the idea of the kitchen pharmacy, you know, today we're raised to to think of food as a kind of enriched fuel right? A source of calories and a carrier of vitamins, which helps prevent disease, where our ancestors understood food as a holy thing. And eating was considered a blessed act. It was a way for them to connect with nature. So um, when I started to think about healing and health and really Um, you know, this powerful medicine that we partake in every single day. We eat three times a day. Some people eat more, like if you count in the snacks. And I feel like what's at the end of your fork is the most powerful decision you make for your health, right? So the kitchen pharmacy anchors back to a time where our people used The farm as the pharmacy, herbs, spices, holistic ways of healing, and really turning back and using these ingredients that we take for granted as a way of healing ourselves, a way of moving to health and like thriving in our bodies.
0: Now, what I absolutely loved about this episode is that. Idil has been able to build community and find community through food in different parts of the world. And I also put an episode out this season on community and belonging, um, where the things that tie us together um, are also things that we should learn to nurture and also dive a lot deeper into. Um, And one of those things is our psychology, our mind which leads me to cognitive psychologist Araika, who joined me. And she's one of the most, she's one of the smartest people I know. And the episode with her had quite a few topics, but the one I found the most interesting was this idea that a person and their brain is basically a pilot and co-pilot setup. And for us to achieve true mindfulness, we need to learn how to talk to our brains, which I found fascinating as someone who speaks to themselves a lot, because there's a difference between speaking to oneself and speaking to one's brain and giving it things to focus on and to problem solve. So check out what she said. You control your brain.
3: Yeah, your brain's just a really big, complex calculator, and it's built to make calculations for you. And unfortunately, it wants to save energy, so it makes all these inferences and categorization. But once you create, you, you give your brain a problem to solve, it solves it. If you cannot face your problem, you are not giving your brain a problem to solve. And therefore, it magnifies the situation, makes it ambiguous so that you never solve it. And this self-awareness, everyone's always talking about self-awareness, which is like asking yourself the tough questions and whatnot, it's also sometimes, I tell my clients this all the time, have conversations with your brain. This,
0: it's, how it's, does that work it's just an because activity. i have conversations with myself all the time right but is that what you're talking about so with yourself is very <laughs> different because okay. the mind and
3: consciousness is very different with the brain okay right so the brain strictly speaking is an organ that receives input does brrr, So many calculations gives output, and then you interpret that as your reality. Mm -hmm. So imagine you're speaking to a calculator, not another self that is your mind, if that makes sense, right? So if a calculator could speak back, it will say, but you haven't given me an equation to solve. Give me an equation so that I can help you solve it. And your brain is very, very good at finding solutions once it has a clear problem, to solve. So when you have all these problems in front of you, you can start engaging your brain into doing some level of prioritization right this is the most pressing problem for me right now now you're engaging emotional seats as well of your brain seats doing all of this for you as you say this is the most important problem it's bringing up the emotions this is what we call emotional intelligence now being able to identify the difference between sadness and and disappointment for example right. because it can't help you resolve that particular emotion if you mislabel it in the first place and you're the one that tells the brain how to label emotions unfortunately so it's this whole cycle of misunderstanding (laughs) and miscommunication and if we start to look at our brain as just okay this is literally my best friend superpower calculator that is with me 24 7 even when I'm sleeping so I'm going to be speaking to it because if I'm not speaking to it the rest of the world is And it's creating very different inferences. So I need to pull it back once in a while and be like, hey, we looked at all those social media uh, posts today that really make it look like it's the worst possible scenario. So before you go into your fight or flight mode, please realize that we are actually okay. Like we are living, we are breathing, we are eating. Right. And this isn't about just when we say gratitude. It's literally like facts. Yeah. Because your brain doesn't like (laughs) not facts. This is where it creates something worse. You want to give it facts. And the fact is all the work that you are doing for me, it's working. It's fine. We are okay. We actually have more space to do more calculations. Are you ready? Let's go. That sounds really weird, as I'm saying, but that's how I speak to my brain. (laughs) (laughs) This is me literally having conversations with my brain right now with you. But this is just a very different take on mindfulness, right, than the typical thing that we hear all the time, which is do yoga, do meditation, go for walks. That's great. Please do those things. Those are so wonderful. But those things create, like, long-term effect right they, they change your brain neural wiring in the long term which is super important yeah. so that your brain's able to do this process we're talking about right now for you but in the meantime when you are in that freaking out process and you feel like everything is going wrong in your life this is just one of the things that can bring you back another way to look at it is pilot co-pilot right it's like okay everything's wrong with the plane but we can't solve anything if we don't know what's wrong with the plane. We just know things are wrong. So let's land the plane or put it on autopilot or whatever and start to do a diagnosis for ourselves. And then your brain being the co-pilot, not the pilot, you are still giving the brain instructions. But if you can't take a grip, your brain takes over, right? It's like co-pilot's not going to let the, the the plane fall, like, yeah, well, I, mean, I didn't That's do it exactly true. the way you wanted, but I didn't, you know, I didn't crash the plane, so I did the best I could.
0: What's really interesting about all of this is that I've I've realized that it actually works, and not necessarily because I connected what Arika said to what I've been doing in my own life, um, and I've been having to do a lot of self auditing and personal development in different areas. But when we actually sit down and we Write things out, or we list things and we give our brain a clear equation. Like, I am having problems with this. What are three ways that I can sort of solve this? And we brainstorm and mind map and all of those things to find answers and solutions that it actually works. (laughs) And I don't know why that is so profound to me. Uh, But yeah we are learning and growing, ladies and gentlemen. Um, And so we don't always have things figured out. And that is another topic that I touched on this season. But we do have to start somewhere and make a leap. But more importantly, we need to understand that our time is finite. So whatever we exchange it for has to make sense, have some purpose, has to make us even feel good, you know, like, It's not every day come suffer because of capitalism. We do not get any time back. We only get one life story. And so what does yours look like right now? And not only did I do a little preaching on why we should tell our stories, but I got the incredible storyteller and founder of TAP Magazine himself, Raz, explaining it so much better than I just did. So... Just listen to how eloquently he put it,
4: I mean storytelling um well I'm sure uh, thankfully, I'm preaching to the choir as they say <laughs> um, storytelling is so powerful i sometimes I even struggle to bring it to words how powerful it is. I mean, um people go to war so that they can write history right mm-hmm. um um, I mean, people go to, people do elections and all these things so that they can sit in those chairs and write history uh, and write the stories of that country, of that continent, of humanity. Um, and I think, and it's always frustrating. I mean, it used to be even more frustrating when I started my work uh, with TAP because people didn't get it. People didn't understand. They'll be like, you are leaving this job that pays you this much, that helps this number of people to go and do what? Tell stories? Like who cares about like, you know, um, sometimes because, um, as a people, we're just like, I don't want to say we're natural storytellers, but we we are as close as it is. Um, I think from uh, our grandparents to our older people, everybody has a story to, tell You, how many people did they call you today? And be like, hey, I have a story for you. <laughs> we need to talk about something. I need to tell you something. I think because storytelling comes so natural to us, we kind of undervalued it. Um, and because of that, uh, we've let, we've given, we've handed over the pen to other people for so long, for centuries and centuries, and uh, that pen hasn't really painted us. Um, in the way we would want it to be. I mean, they've only that pen has painted us uh, from a single story or from a single perspective, um, and so it's very important. Um, storytelling is very important because we need to whoever tells the story controls the future. Um, I mean, um, we become well, we be, we believe and become the stories we are told, what we are told. Um. Yeah, I, I I don't know how one can really emphasize the importance of storytelling than that. Um. um yeah, and and more and and in recent years, uh, in the last two, three, four years, I've been very very happy to like see so many young people, so many um, Africans of different backgrounds and uh, demographics, you know, uh, take up the challenge of uh, owning their stories and the stories of their communities and leading that and and advocating for it to the point where now I think Western medias are conscious of that. You know, Uh, when they come to the continent, they, they, they are aware that they can't just pilot in. Doesn't mean they still don't do it, they still do it. But they're more aware that you can't just come to <clears throat> you can just fly in a crew uh, of people based in New York and come tell stories from Nairobi. Um, yeah. They'll get away with a few, but <laughs> eventually they'll um, they'll get caught, and it's not going to be nice. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm very encouraged by that by by the fact that slowly we we're, we're understanding that hey we need to be present, we need to hold a pen when our story is being written. Um, yeah.
0: This season has been um, one of people taking chances, you know, whether it is starting a media company or a startup or venturing out as a musician or educating people about their past. This season has been about reclaiming our paths and our history embedding on ourselves. Um, I think that we, we of course are living in a time where people are realizing that the way that the world has been built up around us and the narratives that we've been sold about what work is, what a good life is, what is this good life thing is what a lot of people are asking. If people can't afford to live well, if people can't get health care, if everyone's ill, if everyone's struggling, then what is this world that we're contributing to? And are these systems systems that we should continue to uphold, narratives that we should continue to pass on? Or is it time to rewrite our own books, start building new structures, you know? building new systems. And I think that the past two years has disrupted the world so much that it's created space for people to think. It's created space for us to communicate with each other and to build that support and to have more empathy and compassion for not only ourselves but each other and to understand that we really are in this together. And whether it be, you know, The very big issues in the world, such as, you know, health crises, climate change, instability war, all of that, or whether it's like in our day to day struggles that we are connected and no one survives unless we all do. Um, And I think that the next season will continue to build off of the stories of people that we've heard in the previous seasons, and especially this one, of how, yes, life, this thing that we're meant to continue doing, can get really tough. And things don't make sense. And sometimes it we don't even know if we're doing the right thing. Because quite frankly, this idea of having things figured out ain't even true, right? But that we can create our own methods in the madness and we can figure it out. And there is hope. And I think that for as long as we're alive, there'll continue to be hope. It's just sometimes it's okay to take a step back. Sometimes it it's okay to regroup or to reach out for help. And I hope that this podcast will be a small sliver in the very vast world of the internet. Um, and that wherever it finds you, it finds you well, and it brings you a little bit of light, a little bit of good thinking, uh, maybe even a little bit of inspiration. And until next season, I hope that you all keep well. Let me know if there's anybody that you want to see. All of the socials are in the description of this episode. And thank you all so, so, so much for all of the support and the well wishes, and the continuous just being the greatest supporters. So yeah, until next time, everybody, this is the Connect Podcast. See you all. Bye.